back to That's So Fringy podcast. I am Rick. And I'm Kristen. And we are back with our third installment of our Route 91 Vegas shooting series that we're doing with the False Flag series. We started this talking about all of the abnormal abnormalities. Whoa. How does that word go? Abnormalities. In the official narrative and all of the things that uh, didn't really add up. We talked about the official narrative. We walked through all the weirdness. Tonight, we just want to kind of finish it up, get to the end of it, and uh, talk about the really weird things like the helicopters. What was going on with these helicopters that were flying around that night? Wow. Okay, so hang on. Let's go back just a just a tiny bit. Um, okay. Let's go. So I know we kind of briefly mentioned there was a Hispanic woman that that kind of fought her way to the front of the stage, right? You know, like half an hour, something yeah. like that, forty minutes before the shooting began. So she basically pushes her way to the front and says, you, "You're all going to die. Everybody, get out of here. You're all going to die tonight." And so she's escorted out by security, and that was that was the end of it, right? Um, and then there was also a I don't I'm not super tech savvy, as most of you probably know, but there is a message board called 4chan, which I'm not I'm not entirely sure what how, how it all works, but there was a guy named John on 4chan, and there was there was multiple messages written um, talking about a high casualty event that's going to happen in Las Vegas. And he didn't really give like an exact timeline, but he said it was going to happen soon or whatever. And it ended up being like three weeks. I mean, it wasn't that long after this, but he talks about this high casualty event. Um, and they're going to use that to try and install backscatter machines at all the casinos. So what's a backscatter machine and a backscatter machine is, is essentially what you go through at the airport where um, you go in and you stand and you put your arms and your legs out and it does like a full body scan. Um, Mm. And, and in fact, they did, install backscatter machines not too long after this event in in, um, some places in Vegas. And it turns out people don't really want to be irradiated every time they want to go into a casino or go get some food or go to their room. And so they kind of flopped. I mean, people just weren't, weren't having it. So, but there's a little bit more on that in a, in a little bit when we start to talk about some of the you know motives for some of this stuff. But those were mm-hmm. two big things that happened ahead of time to warn people. And and another funny thing was um, Paddock was actually recorded earlier in that week, you know, because he was in the casino for days before this all happened, sure. and he he was recorded at a at a. I think it was a craps table or something with a Hispanic woman, actually two Hispanic women, mm. which the, the media and nobody ever talked about. Interesting. So a little suspect there. Um, let's go to 
Yeah, I don't understand how you could have a person in your room that is Hispanic woman and have this same Hispanic woman, not the same one. We're not saying it's the same one. We're saying there's also this lady that is Hispanic that's warning everybody that something very violent uh, is about to go down, which it just seems odd. Now, yeah. again, we're not saying that this this is the same lady. We're just saying it is interesting uh, that mm -hmm. this lady seemed to have some inside knowledge of some sort for whatever reason. And 4chan yeah. is, um, for those of you that are Q followers or, or don't know much about Q, that's uh, where a lot of the Q drops, the things that Q was posting uh, for those that are QAnon freaks. Um, that's where a lot of that stuff started was on 4chan and then it went over to 8chan. And uh, okay. so it's basically these mess message boards where you can be anonymous. You can, you can say what your name is on the internet, but you're really anybody, you know, you're this, it, the idea is that you want to be anonymous and you want to say certain things, but you don't want anybody to know who you are. So it's very encrypted, gotcha. very hard to find out who these people are, which is why nobody's ever been able to find out who Q is. Interesting. Mm, so, interesting. Yeah. So another odd thing that happened right after. So right after the shooting, we remember Jesus Campos. He was the security guard that went to look at the open door alarm. Mm -hmm. um, right after the shooting, he's got like a ton of interviews that are, you know, everybody wants to talk to him. And, it, you know, it was it was hot news for a day or two. So he does a couple of, of interviews on like network TV. I think he was scheduled with like NBC or, uh, you know, another big network. Um, mm -hmm. this, this several mornings, I don't remember if it was the third or the fourth day after, but, um, he was scheduled to do an interview and he never showed up. So okay. everybody was like, where did compost go? You know, um, turns out he went to Mexico on a prearranged vacation. Oh, so right. So he's just been through right this after. huge traumatic event right this huge mm -hmm. biggest let me remind you biggest mass shooting by a single gunman he's gone through this event he's done a couple of interviews that were kind of strange in my opinion i mean just a little weird mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then he's all of a sudden missing doesn't tell anybody where he's going he just he schedules an interview with nbc and then i remembers he had a vacation to mexico i'm not sure like how does one how does that happen i don't know i really don't so yeah. he goes to Mexico for this prearranged vacation. And then when he comes back, he goes on, he only does one interview when he comes back and it's on the Ellen show. Um, it, it just looks very staged. It looks really bizarre. It's a very weird interview. So, and Ellen is super weird to me anyways, for a lot of she's, reasons, but maybe so that she she's comes a out, child. Yeah. Could be something like that. So Oops. she comes out with like a, like a whiteboard and she like reenacts the crime scene, which is super weird. Like, would you do that with a survivor of a, an event like this? Would you be like, so she's basically reenacting and she goes, so then you went down the hallway, right? And she's like being all, I don't know, just like coachy. Yeah, Kochi and like, and he's just kind of like, yeah, uh -huh. it was just a really weird, like, it seemed more like an interrogation or a, like, this is your story and you're going to stick to it, right? Kind of a thing. Building the story just, up for him. Yeah. 
And then another side note is that Ellen happens to be sponsored by MGM. She has her own slot machines in their casino. She's 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 a big deal at an MGM. So she's a big it, deal anyway because she's a Rothschild. A lot of people yeah. don't know this about Ellen. If you do your research, you'll find out that she's a Rothschild and that her whole thing about <laughs> bringing the gay uh, thing into mainstream, you know, this first gay woman that's, you know, in the news and, and it's so hard for her to be gay in this day and age and all these things. Like, I get it, but she had an agenda. She was a pawn playing her part. She was trying to teach everybody that it's okay to be gay and it's okay to be this and it's okay to be that. And and all of her shows and all of her things, just like Oprah, they're trying to teach you things about the world and continue to walk these narratives through. You know, you're allowed to talk about certain things, but you're not allowed to talk about other things like Epstein's Island and how weird it is that Ellen's set is very similar to the buildings on Epstein Island. Same stripes, same palm tree look, same colors. It's very homage, um, almost like a throw call out yeah. to you know symbolism to something that's a little more nefarious also she's had people on talking about you know skincare products that has baby parts and pieces in them so ellen is strange she's sus yeah she's strange yeah very strange so th when the official report came out there it, it was and and lombardo was very he like he never wavered from this point that that paddock shot himself between 10 16 and 10 18. Mm -hmm. so no matter what timeline that you know we talked about the changing timelines and how and why with a digital footprint like what we should have there shouldn't be a change in the timeline but there is right. this point never changes he says that compo or that paddock shot himself between 1016 and 1018 and the reason that they know this is because the heat signatures in the room uh quit registering body heat at that time hmm. okay so if anybody knows anything about the medical community <laughs> when when you pass on mm -hmm. your body does not immediately go into rigor mortis it doesn't happen it doesn't happen like that. Um, mm -hmm. It can take like up to 12 hours for your body to assume room temperature. Yeah. So I, it just does, that part just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. And if they knew that he was dead at that time, because that he came out with that pretty early on in the investigation, mm -hmm. then why did they wait so long to breach the room? If they knew that he, if they could pull up the heat signature in the room and at 10, eight by 10, 18, they knew that he was dead because there was no heat signature. Then why did they wait over an hour to go in there? And, and why did they wait for SWAT and all this stuff when, there was only one SWAT officer that was was part of that ragtag group of guys that went in. Yeah. I mean, if you can see the heat signatures inside that room, which obviously they can, you would know that there is no threat. There's no reason to wait for SWAT. There's no reason to do mm -hmm. all those different things because it shouldn't be a surprise. It's not like you're going to any other room as a SWAT officer or as a police officer with no intel on what's on the inside mm -hmm. because you don't have these special tools. We're talking about there's no reason to not breach because all of the heat signatures 
one heat signature is on the ground. According to your official narrative, one heat signature is on the ground and there's no, no danger anymore. Right. So why don't just breach, just breach right. right then. And why do you wait an hour? It doesn't why make do you wait sense. an hour. And why do you, why do you keep telling everybody that you're waiting for SWAT to get there to breach? And then you end up an hour later breaching without SWAT anyway. Yeah. And there was there. So there was actually, which is kind of, it just made me a little bit sad, but there was one officer that got fired and he didn't get fired for a couple of years, mind you, after all this body cam footage came out. But there was one officer that got fired for cowering in the hallway. So basically failing to, to breach the room and do his job and he got fired. But he was, he said that he, that he was basically ordered to stand down. He was ordered to mm. wait for SWAT, which is kind of was the narrative that everybody was waiting for. So that was a really weird, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. It just seems well, like they, mean, they needed to blame somebody and, and do something. So they're like, you over there, you're fired <laughs> for this, you know, like, it, I don't know. It just seemed so weird. Like on Monsters vs. Aliens, where he's all, you, fire somebody. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. It's it's almost like he's just a patsy, just somebody that mm -hmm. they're throwing under the bus. Or could it be that he thought it was all an exercise, and so he was could be. trying to follow the regular directions right. of the exercise, and, and he heard, wait for SWAT, so he was waiting mm -hmm. for SWAT. Was he cowering? Was he... Did he not do it because he he knew something was nefarious and he decided not to do it, so he got punished? Who or knows? He wouldn't follow the story that they were trying to get them all to follow. I don't know. There's just too many moving parts to really know. But yeah. um, that w and the other you know really weird thing that you guys will probably remember from the last episode is they had the the gentlemen that were listed as breaching the room those eight guys that uh, that went in but then from the body cam footage we see two other guys that are not listed on any of the reports they are SWAT guys mm -hmm. and but they're not listed on anything they're not even listed as being in the hotel that day so there's a lot of other body cam footage from other police officers throughout the evening and there's there's a couple of them one in particular that I'm thinking of that where the guy, it's like a cop and he's talking to a, a bystander or whatever. And he's like, well, you know, SWAT took down the guy. So <laughs> the narrative that all of the police were under that night was that SWAT took down the guy. But then why did they not have two of the three SWAT officers listed on any of the reports? It doesn't make the any discrepancies sense. just add up over time mm -hmm. over time and and you get to the point where you're like okay this whole this whole thing doesn't make any sense there's got to be something else going on something else a lot more nefarious because right. they're, they're going through a lot of work to try to cover up what the reality of this situation mm -hmm. is which we'll get into in a little bit but Let's get to the helicopters because this is the part that's Rick super is all about the helicopters. We just have to we have to know that these gunshots were not coming from that room, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the major narrative. And when you get us here saying there was only eight casings on the ground, there was only eight shots fired from that room, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. Everybody's like, well, what happened to all of those rounds? What about all of the they weren't coming from that room. 
And and there, there was a lot. I mean, the eyewitness reports for the night, there is thousands of, of them. Um, there was reports that there was gunfire coming from under the stage. Mm-hmm. There was reports there was gunfire. Co- I mean, there was people killed in m- many places along the strip for that whole night. So it yes. begs the question, was all of this going on just to kind of create a a chaos environment? Because when people are in chaos, they, they don't you know they don't make the best decisions maybe they don't remember things exactly correctly or you know because you get that adrenaline dump and all of that Mm -hmm. so was it just to create confusion and remember there is multiple multiple reports of people saying that the gunfire was coming from a helicopter and there was according to all of the data there was no helicopters in the area at that time So I don't believe here that. is a here is a fun actually before we do the helicopter. Sorry, Rick, you're gonna have to wait a second. Okay. One more little thing was so people probably not to be gruesome, but people probably don't realize that when there's a crime scene, the police don't go in and clean it up for you. Fun fact. Um, so if somebody shoots themselves and there is brain matter and blood and whatever everywhere. Um, there's actually crime scene cleanup companies that you hire to come in and, and clean up that stuff. Unless your family or, you know, obviously you can clean it up yourself if you want to. Mm-hmm. But there are firms that are just, they just go in and clean up crime scenes. Um, so this whole area, this whole 16 acre lot of land that this festival was on was, was a crime scene. Plus the, really the whole Vegas strip was a, was a crime scene but for this area specifically they didn't hire a crime scene cleanup crew to come in for almost a month and a half so this event happens they the fbi has control of the scene the whole time so they maintain control of this whole area for a month and a half before they call in any crime scene cleanup people to 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 do their job But here's the funny thing that the FBI, they were so kind that they actually went around and patched up the bullet holes. They repainted, they cleaned up all the blood spatter. They, I mean, they really talk about being super kind, you know, this is just not something that the FBI does. They don't go in and clean up and patch holes in buildings and hire private contractors to come in. And the thing that really got me was they repaved the entire parking lot. So not only did they cover up all the bullet holes and all of the blood spatter, because you can get a lot of information out of blood spatter. You can get a lot of information out of bullet holes. One of them being the trajectory of how this person was shot. Were they shot from above? Were they shot from below? All of that stuff comes from bullet trajectory and blood spatter. That's how you figure out most of that information. So they came in and repaved the entire parking lot. So you, so nobody could go in and look at any of the trajectory of the bullets at all, which is, it's just a very weird. Maybe they were doing, maybe they were trying to save money in the FBI and they were doing a little bit of like sweat equity type thing. You know, they're like, we'll do a little bit of this work for mm-hmm. you so you don't have to worry about it. I mean, it seems nice. It seems generous. It does. But it, it does. also seems convenient. It's a real convenient truth. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm. Because so you couldn't, there was no way that you could go in and try to reenact it. Cause people did, people went down, especially like, we'll get into maybe if we have time, there's a couple of stories of people like survivors that, that really, they were like this, this did not happen the way that they're saying it happened. And they Mm -hmm. were starting support groups and they wanted, you know, to get together with people and try to figure out what actually happened. And they had no, there was no forensic information left at the scene at all that anybody could look at. Yeah. Except for the FBI for a whole month and a half. I, I mean, it, how much more evidence does a person need to say something's off here? You know, something mm-hmm. is completely off. So can we please talk about helicopters? Okay. Let's do helicopters. Okay. Just for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So no flight data reported of helicopters in the area. Okay. But funny thing is, um, so one of the things that I wanted to mention was that Sundance helicopter that, so this place is, there's a woman that calls 911 and she says, my daughter is calling me from the Sundance helicopters and saying that they've been basically hijacked. Like the hangar has been hijacked. Some ladies shot. They can't get any phone calls out to anybody. They can't call 911. So they were calling their family to call 911. Mm. So what, how, is there a certain like jammer or something or was 911 just so busy that they couldn't get through? Like what would cause them to not be able to call 911? Yeah, it could be multiple things. I mean, if you're going to, if you're a, a crew that does this type of a thing, false flag type stuff, um, you're going to cut phone lines. You're going to jam phone lines. You're going to do all the basics because you don't want that message to get out before mm-hmm. the exercise is over. You know, you, you want to complete the mission then you can turn all that stuff back on. So they would probably jam. They would probably do that. And the overwhelming response that, that as we talked about, that they're having to 9-11, or mm-hmm. 9/11 I mean, mm-hmm. that they're having to 9 yeah. yeah. All of those calls are, are bogging them down. People are having waiting times and, and those type of things that you don't usually have. I mean, if you think right. about and that, uh, and that was kind of what their official narrative was, was they were just really busy or whatever, but how, uh, how this mom can get through not being on site to nine one one is weird. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, that, so that's happening at Sundance helicopters. Um, they also, they, so they do helicopter tours where you can basically go out on a helicopter and they take you out to the desert. Cause you know, it's not very far outside of Vegas that, that it's nothingsville. There's nothing out there. So Separate they'll take, take you. Yeah. Let's not get into that. Okay. <laughs> That's another episode <laughs> or 12. Um, so you can take these helicopter tours where they have these big guns that are mounted in these helicopters and you can shoot at targets in the desert. Mm. Some of them are exploding targets. I mean, it's a fun thing. I, I would do it in a heartbeat, like rent a helicopter and get to shoot at things in the desert. That would be sweet. So this helicopter, essentially, if this helicopter place gets taken over, the, they have everything that they need. They have a helicopter, they have a weapon in there, you know, like they have everything that they would need. And so, so I think that that's what they did. I think that they went to this and by the way, the Sundance helicopter tours place is now closed. 
Close for business. Yeah. Close for business. No longer can you go and shoot at yeah. people uh, with machine guns on the show. Yeah. That's not so allowed th- anymore. So that one is closed. Um, so we're basically flight- talking about a place where they rent helicopters, gets taken over by this band of crazies who th- the lady that's there is saying that we can't make any phone calls out. We can't help. But mm-hmm. they're stealing the helicopters, basically. And they've shot somebody on site. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So there is a gunshot wound on site yep. where somebody gets shot and some helicopters get commandeered. Three helicopters, as it would be, I believe. And uh, specifically, there, there's some weird transponder stuff. So a transponder yes. is basically like what what air traffic control uses to monitor different entities in the air. So whether mm-hmm. that be airplanes or helicopters or whatever everybody has their own call sign now call signs can change but they have to maintain the understanding of what your tail sign is and all these different things so so you can be tracked in the air mostly so that people don't crash into each other and and you can have the correct landing times and all that stuff so what what certain researchers were finding on the internet was that these transponders that correspond to these three particular helicopters from Sundance were in the air that night. And okay. So here's, there's this flight 24 radar, which is a site that basically tracks all of that stuff, the tail numbers, the call signs, all of that. So at nine 52 PM, the night of the incident, um, three helicopters fly behind the Mandalay Bay. And in the same spot, transponder turns off. And then another one comes in, boop, transponder turns off. And then a third one. So all the transponders turned off at right about the same area, which happened to be behind the Mandalay Bay, which was super weird. And if you watch that documentary that we have talked about multiple times, she, they have all of this stuff on there. Like you yeah. can look at, you can look at the flight patterns and all that stuff. You can see the transponder data when it and turns off. you can see off, them turn off. Yeah. And it turns back on all the directions of flight, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you want a visual representation of this, the documentary that she's speaking of is linked in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing that was weird was <clears throat> when they went and collected the, you know, CCTV from all over the strip, they, which a lot of it is just randomly missing, which is crazy and unfortunate, but Quite shocking. Um, it happens in these big cases. Weird. Mm-hmm. So, but in some of the CCTV that you could find, there is very clear, I don't know if, if you guys have been underneath a helicopter, but there's this thing called helicopter wash where it's basically the, the air from the blades of the helicopter that comes down and, and it stirs up dust and stirs up stuff that's in the area you know like dirt and twigs and all kinds of stuff because it's there is helicopter blades i mean they're they're big yeah so in in multiple cctv videos you can see helicopter wash which is strange mm-hmm. for there being no helicopters in the area right i mean that would be odd to have yeah. rotor wash in areas where there are no rotors yeah, that's super weird. So Unless what they were there. What, right. And if you'll remember, I don't know if you haven't listened to the sound of the shooting. There's there's multiple documentaries out about it. There was one that was on like Netflix or something that was 
was the pretty official good, narrative. But the yeah. official narrative. Um, but you, but you can hear there's like different volleys of gunfire. So you hear the gunfire and then there's a pause in which they say he's either moving locations or reloading or whatever. Um, and then, and it would go again and you would get these like 80 to hundred rounds again, and then there would be a pause. So what I'm wondering and what it appears to me is if I'm in a helicopter and I'm flying behind the Mandalay Bay, and if there's three of us and we're going around the Mandalay Bay and coming around and shooting, is that pause those helicopters going behind the building to circle back around? Because remember, they have to make it seem like it's coming from the Mandalay Bay. Right. So if they're shooting down at the crowd and then circle around the whole time that they're behind the building circling around, there would be no gunfire. Yeah. Well, and on these belt fed weapons, which is, which is what's in on these helicopters at Sundance, mm-hmm. they're, they're more of a machine gun belt fired weapon instead of a magazine reload weapon. So usually belt fired weapons come with 200 round uh, belt fed strips. And so you're, okay. y- if you're doing a reload, it's not after a hundred rounds, it's usually after 200 rounds. So in this case, the machine gun fire wouldn't be reloading as often as, as mm-hmm. a, as a hundred round clip would be. Um, but as, as they would fly around, as you're saying, you still want the angle and trajectory of the noise of the, you know, everything that the false flag is trying to create, you want that to be coming from behind or at the Mandalay Bay area. So yes, I would agree. As you're, as they're flying around, you would have to be firing from that area mostly. Mm-hmm. Now, there were other things going on, as we said, on the ground where people were firing mm-hmm. from all different places. They had some different exits um, that were all seemed mm-hmm. to be kind of blocked off by gunmen, whereas people would run out, they would be fired at uh, as they were running out. Mm-hmm. It almost seemed like they had corralled these people into right. this area, knew where the exits were, surveyed it, and started just kind of picking people off in a cage. It seems well, and like. There was, you know, there was limited... there. Per um, per number of people in a in a setting, a building of sorts, you know, you you have a maximum capacity of people you can have in there for fire code and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. For this exact situation, sure. And you have to have a certain number of exits that are unlocked, meaning you can have a door there, but you know, if you go into a store and you see that little sign above that says the store has to remain unlocked during business hours, that's why it has mm-hmm. to stay unlocked for fire code and all of that stuff. So there should have been, there's different reports, but there should have been at least four exits that were open from the inside out. Now that doesn't allow people from the outside to come in. Um, So they can have something there, but it needs to be accessible from the inside out. And, And there was really only, was it gate seven or there was really only one gate that was, was that was really open. And then there's video of people running out of gate seven and then they're turning around and going back in because there's gunfire coming outside of the festival from the street. So if you've got a, if you've got three helicopters that are taking turns shooting down into this whole area. And remember, we talked about the people that were shot behind the Tropicana. Mm -hmm. So there was a, there was a gentleman back there that said that there was, Around a dozen, I think, 
casings that were that were in the parking lot behind the Tropicana that were like big big cartridges yeah big cartridges and they but they weren't like right together like somebody standing with a weapon and firing off those eight shots they would all be in what would you say like a two or a three foot circle maybe these were like spread through the parking lot as if a helicopter were flying over the top and shooting from a helicopter and those are going to have a bigger spread pattern than they would have even if a person was running full speed yeah. And and shooting an automatic weapon, you still wouldn't get a scatter like that. No, I mean that's too far of a distance. It would have to be right. it would have to be shell casings falling from a helicopter. I mean, we've seen this in the movies. We've seen, mm-hmm. you know, Vietnam uh era videos like Forrest Gump where they're coming in hot with the uh, with the machine gun and they mm-hmm. and they're firing down on people and you're just seeing all of those casings just rain down uh, a lot of times in slow motion especially if it's Michael Bay filming it you know and it, you see a lot of slow motion of these these thing casings falling that's what we're talking about they're mm-hmm. they're flying across the parking lot or across an area and you're getting these very large casings falling all the way to the ground and leaving this trail but it's a very confusing trail if they're there were no helicopters that night. However, right. so actually, and I think we've we've already we did a good job. I think already proving that shooting from that window with a with a weapon with a bump stock on a bipod is not is absolutely not what you hear in and in the documentary. They actually go through and do like audio analysis of all the different shots that you can hear. Mm-hmm. That they say that it's echoes right because you've got all these tall buildings you've got nothingsville around it so it's you're hearing like an echo so he's shooting from over here at the mandalay bay you might hear an echo down at new york new york but the thing about echoes is you don't hear like 10 shots and then you you would hear 10 shots and then an echo of 10 shots and then you would hear eight shots and an echo of eight shots you don't hear 10 shots and then an echo of six shots those are two different weapons that are being fired Right. At the same, that near the same time, enough to to they could use this echo theory, and most people would buy it because it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, you yeah. when you've got these, you know, if you've ever been to Vegas, you've got these huge buildings. Of course, there's going to be an echo. Like that makes yeah. sense. But if you don't go through the audio and analyze it the way these people did and isolate the shots individually, it would appear as though it's an echo, but it absolutely is not. Yeah, it's definitely not cracking back or echoing back. They're they're different calibers, different sounds of weapons. Mm-hmm. The repetitiveness of a machine gun is very distinct from a bump yep. stock. I mean, you're not gonna. It's if you know, you know, as they say, yeah. right? If yeah. you know, you know, and and you don't have to explain it to anybody. You just already know because of the experience that you have in your life as a human being. And that's what we're doing is we're putting together the things that don't make sense on this podcast. And we're letting people know we don't have all the answers, but these are things that we know from our life. These are our own experiences. And many of you out there have these same experiences. You may go out shooting with your family, or you may be an avid hunter, or you may have military background that tells you that everything that we're saying is true and that the the official narrative isn't jiving because right. because of your life experience, you can use those experiences in your life to test 
the spirits, if you will, test the reality that they're trying to put in front of you. That's what we have to do. And that's why we're bringing this up. Sure, you can just go watch the documentary yourself and not have to listen to us about all of this. But we're trying to help you to understand that there are a lot of nuances. And what do these nuances really mean? And why would they do such a thing? And that's the important piece. But moving forward, what do you got next? So there was another part where they they found some emails back and forth between Paddock and his girlfriend. So, and these were very s- strange. I I think I have them on here somewhere. Hold on, let me try to find them. So these are just email correspondence back and forth between the right. girlfriend and him. What are right. they talking and about mostly? So it, it they they used it to make it sound like it was him premeditating this whole plan. Okay. okay. So, but let me read this and you tell me what your thoughts are. So this is an email from Paddock to his girlfriend. It says, try an AR before you buy. We have a huge selection located in the Las Vegas area. Hmm. I mean, that seems like a weird email but okay so then later in the day girlfriend emails back that says we have a wide variety of optics and ammunition to try okay weird and so she's there's another this to him right so they're going back and forth so then he emails back back to her and says for a thrill try out bump fire ars with a hundred round magazine so specific Right. So they use that to try to to try to make it seem like a like a manifesto or an admission of guilt or pre-planning or whatever. But to me they sound more like like a marketing email or mm-hmm. like like we're going to we're going to make a Craigslist ad. So what do you think about this or it sounds more more marketing style to me. What do you think? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, that would be something that I would send out. That's why it was weird to me when you said that she was sending it to him. Cause if they were in business together and they're, and they're connected in some way, physically or dating, whatever they say that it is, you're not going to send that to me unless you're sending it to a whole bunch of people and you CC me or you, or I'm sending it to me. you as a business partner. Right. Like, exactly. What do you you're, think? You're adding, you're adding me in as a, what do you think about this? Or, Mm -hmm. or you send it out and I'm just happen to be one of the people in your contact list. You send it Mm -hmm. to all contact lists and it comes to me as well. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense why she would be sending it to him unless it was them being involved in some sort of a business aspect where they're Mm -hmm. promoting the idea of come and look at these guns that we have for sale. We, you can shoot them. We've got Tannerite, right. which we already know that they did. We've got Tannerite. You can blow things up. You can. We can go out in the desert and shoot some things. What do you want? What do you need? We've got it all. That is like flea market shit. I mean, that's it's what it is. You're promoting yep. an opportunity for people to come and look at guns. That is what I think about that. That's what I think, too. And so he's got 24... 24- 
weapons in his room. They're sending these emails back and forth prior to this event happening, which they're trying to spin as a manifesto. But I think they had a big buyer that was going to come and look at these weapons. Is This this is what they thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And maybe Paddock got a little... Maybe... It, I mean, we've already talked about him being a government employee. Was he an asset? Was he, who knows? Was his dad an asset? How did his dad get away with all the crap that his dad got away with? Was it a generational, like, you know, we're working with the, we work with the feds kind of a family because Mm -hmm. that, that's a thing that really happens. Right. So in, in that vein, it makes the most sense that maybe he got a little bit spooked by something. Maybe he's dealing with big names like i don't know the cia the fbi all these people and and maybe he sent her to back to the philippines because he didn't want her to be there at that time when this deal Mm -hmm. was going to go down because maybe he had a an inkling that something was weird i don't know but that that makes them that makes more sense to me than he than the official narrative. And so there are some other things that happened after the shooting that were that were really weird. And I don't know that we need to get into all of them, but there was like some people that maybe weren't willing to play ball that ended up dying in a, in weird ways. Like there was one that was a husband and a wife, and he lost his cell phone the night of the shooting. The other thing was that they confiscated everybody's phones and yeah. laptops and electronics that, that anybody that they could get their hands on to confiscate their stuff. And, and you, and you guys are probably like, why would people turn in their phones? Well, if you, if you present it in a way that makes it seem like we're trying to catch who did this, we need all the information we can get. I would turn my phone in. I'd be like, here, take whatever I have, find the guy, like get it done. It's terrible. So, that. so that, that was the way that it was presented was turn, turn in all of your stuff so that we can figure out who did this, because this is awful. This is a tragedy. People are mm-hmm. sad at this time, you know, like they're going to turn in their stuff. So they turn, <clears throat> people turn in their devices. So this gentleman happened to lose his phone during the, during the episode, mm-hmm. but his wife has her phone. She's updating people like in real time on Facebook about what's happening during the shooting. So they were pretty like outspoken about it. So a week later, after the, the Vegas shooting, they die in a, in a low speed car crash, like less than 30 miles an hour mm. that turns into their car turns into basically a fireball and they die. A 30 mile yeah. an hour fireball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So then dad's cell phone is returned to the daughter once everything is released there was nothing from the night of the event on his phone, but they know that he had his phone at least in the, in the time coming up because there was stuff they had, they had both put stuff on, on Facebook about being at the concert and, you know, other stuff. So that was, that was a little strange. Okay. So it gets returned to the daughter. Yeah. White, you know, wiped of all the stuff that happened that night, which is weird. But then fast forward to, everybody's stuff was wiped uh, for that night. Like the phones weren't wiped entirely. It was phone calls, text messages, photos, videos, anything like that that were taken during that time frame. Yeah. Event specific All of that stuff time. Was, was confiscated as evidence, mm. which seems like, okay, I mean, take my phone. If it helps you find the guy that did it, take my phone. I, you know, I would, 
Rick probably wouldn't. He'd be like, you're not taking my phone. Hell he'd no. Probably, he'd probably be one of the people that would die in a low-speed car crash because he would not comply. But Sorry. I would hand in my phone. I totally would. So there no, was I another one. Before we, before we go there, you yeah. act off emotion, right? That's what mm-hmm. these people do mm-hmm. is they, they play off of your emotion. That's why they do shootings like this so that they can get gun control. That's why they'll, right. they'll try to kill people with vaccines so that they can give you a cure. You know, they, they have all of these different ways to pull on the heartstrings because they're to not manipulate you. Yes. They're not trying to help you. They're trying to manipulate you so that they can control you and make more money. Yep. This is how it always works. And so yep. when you, when you realize that people are asking for your phone after a very suspicious event and you have questions, there's no reason for them to take your phone, take the information off of your phone. They can copy it. They don't have to delete it. That's right, what but we they understand. Used the guys that, that it was. Well, it's the same thing with, with 9-11. It's national security. Yeah, it's you national know, they, security. They say that and, and this end of story. You know, you don't, you don't get an argument. It's, we, we took all this information off your phones because we need it as evidence. Okay, yeah, so, whatever. So they delete it and you don't ever mm-hmm. get to have it again. So right. that's, and this is why the founders put in the Fourth Amendment, right? The, the, the search and seizure type thing that the, that, law enforcement does all the time is completely illegal. Like the problem is, and and Kristen just alluded to this. The problem is, is we keep consenting to this stuff. Mm -hmm. We think that they have our best interest in mind. Spoiler alert. They don't. They don't. They and don't unlawful are trying to kill search you. and seizure doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't come into play when you voluntarily hand in your phone, which is what people did. Yeah. So, so stop here, volunteering your information. Do not comply. I'm done. I Go ahead. <laughs> so there's a, a gentleman named Danny Contreras. So he puts on, so he's there the night. Um, he tweeted, quote, feeling lucky to be alive. Can't believe I got out of the concert alive. Two men chasing me with guns. Not everyone was so lucky. So yeah. he puts this on his, on his Twitter page. And then he ends up being found shot to death in a hotel room. Oh my gosh. And after he dies, after he dies, his Twitter account is permanently suspended. This is what I mean. They're not afraid. And and there's lots of these. There's so many of these. There's a guy named Chad. I'm I'm really bad with pronouncing names. Nishimura. I I think Chad. Let's go with Chad. So Mr. Chad. Uh, he was the the valet at the hotel the paddock was staying at. So he mm-hmm. was the one that actually took his luggage out of his car and helped him to his room. So he's interviewed and and he says basically paddock was a normal guy with a small normal amount of luggage. Like there was nothing nothing weird. And he wouldn't he would he never changed his story. And then all of a sudden he is missing. He's still missing to this day. You cannot find the valet that unloaded Paddock's car the day that he got to the hotel. I wonder if the Clintons know where he's at. I don't know. (laughs) You should ask. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, there's another really quick one. There's another one of um, Kimberly Suckamel, who she was one of these people that went on to Facebook and was trying to organize a support group. She was trying to get people together because she knew that something, something was fucky, like mm-hmm. something was off. Off. So she's trying to get a, so she has this 
Quote, I'm trying to organize a group of survivors, so if anyone wants to contact me, they can, because this effed up SHRT doesn't make sense, and we're trying to piece things together. So she puts this out, and then less than a week later, she's found dead in her home from an aneurysm or a stroke, and she's like in her early 30s. And you guys, this is uh, this is what four or five that I just gave you. There is hundreds of these people that died in really weird ways after the fact. There's a lot of cleanup. And, and yes, a lot of cleanup. It's just outrageous. Okay, so let's go into for time's sake some of the cover-up theories of what we think. All so right. one of the first things that came out was Antifa. Right. It was attack. It was an attack against the right wing Trump supporters and blah, 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 George Soros, which we've mentioned his name many times. Um, he supports Antifa, obviously monetary. Um, so he bet millions of dollars against the Mandalay Bay slash MGM in the quarter prior to the shooting to the tune of forty two million dollars. So George That's Soros. Bets money against the the Mandalay Bay <laughs> before this happens. Well, he's just trying to redeem his money because if he tries to just yeah. <clears throat> if he tries to just pay all that money out, he's just he loses. You know, he exactly. forwards an agenda, but he loses. So if he because bets shocker, on it, the Mandalay Bay stocks went way down after this happened. Who would have thought that that would ever? Who would have thought? So yeah. then another weird one was the CEO of the Mandalay Bay at the time sold off millions of dollars in stock in stock market shares in the weeks before. Mm. And and this guy openly supports, you know, Islamic terrorist groups. So he's he he sold off like 81%. We're not talking like a little I sold off a little bit of my shares just because I wanted like extra vacation money. No, 81%. And millions of dollars. If you're the CEO, why right. would you cuz he didn't quit? Did he quit? No, no. He's not still he still kept doing his thing. He eventually Actually, moved I on. Think, was it like his daughter or something that was one of the judges in in one of these cases? Like it just is so it's so interconnected. It's unbelievable. So many we webs. Would, it would be like a twelve hundred part episode to go through all of them. And we're not so going to do that to you. <laughs> no, we won't do that to you. I think we've done, we've given a lot of information. Yeah. So another one was ISIS. Okay. So ISIS claimed responsibility for the shooting. Not, not long after actually it was pretty, mm. it was pretty quick. Um, and, and according to the, the police records, they were on alert after a, a video in came out in May that was talking about an ISIS attack in Vegas. Mm. So, so then ISIS c claims responsibility before before sunrise. Like it was fast that by the next by the next day. I mean, if you were a bad guy and you did something crazy like that, you would want people to know about it, right? You would you would want everybody to know right. that was and me. these big groups my they absolutely want credit for this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But is that all made up? You know, is that all? Is that something that these people really care about? Is well, and is, remember. The, the news cycle, who mm -hmm. controls the news cycle, right? They, their scripts go to the CIA before they get to say anything on air about anything. Mm -hmm. So the CIA is the news cycle. Right. So whatever they say, ISIS claimed responsibility. Well, they're all working for the same people. 
mm-hmm. right? They're just they're just different heads to the same snake, basically. The clowns in America, right? And that so the the Las Vegas Police Department, like from the beginning, like vehemently denied that it was ISIS. They were like, "There is no way that this is ISIS." How how they knew that, nobody knows. But from the beginning, wow. they they claimed it was not. So another option is that it's what a, gu- a gun deal gone wrong. Just some high level targets wanted these yep. guns, wanted Paddock out of the way. Like who knows? Because because the news articles were like Lone Wolf, Las Vegas massacre. It's really a false flag to cover up. Here's the here's the one. You tell me. Rick likes this one. Well, this is the uh, one that seems the most plausible to me with, so I'm a context guy, right? When I read the Bible, I'm usually reading it within their context because that makes the most sense to uh-huh. read a document that is from that time, right? So if I'm going to look at the context of what was going on that night, other than this concert, but what was going on that night that might have been a distraction from and it's very interesting that there was a saudi arabian um prince there that is the newly in charge of saudi arabia and this one got debunked pretty quickly also but there is if you if you can find it you probably can't but there are it's out there a news article that says was lone wolf las vegas massacre really a false flag to cover an assassination attempt on on the saudi crown prince mm-hmm. so that so, was an article that came out that you can no longer find anywhere except for people that have screenshots of it and i think it's in this documentary actually yeah which is very interesting because you think about it who owns these floors did you know that okay, people so can buy we, floors yeah, we didn't really we didn't really go over that yet. But so you have the Mandalay Bay, mm-hmm. and the top four floors of the Mandalay Bay is actually a Four Seasons. Okay. So it's not an MGM hotel. It's a Four Seasons, and it is owned by bum, 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 Al Walid, who is the the Saudi Crown Prince. Saudi Crown Prince. So the guy that mm-hmm. is in charge of Saudi Arabia at the time, which is a huge huge playground for the cabal and has their hands in all kinds of dirty stuff they own these four what did you say four floors these four floors on the top of the mandalay bay so where everything is going on up above in the mandalay bay they're trying to distract from whatever may be happening there which the saudi prince was there not the old saudi prince the new saudi prince and this is a problem and this is where people have to understand what is actually happening in our world other than just what we see right because there's a lot of stuff that we don't see there's a lot of perspectives that we cannot personally have because we weren't in the building we weren't there we don't know but what we can do is we can look into that night that time well and what makes the most sense I mean, right. it would it would have to be a very high level target that somebody's trying to assassinate to to pull off something like this. To use all of the resources and the man, they don't care about the loss of life. That's not their. Right. They don't care about that, but all of the resources to cover up 
this stuff. Yeah. It would have to be a very high level target. So remember that FBI handler that we had that was, you know, in the background mm-hmm. of Lombardo's um, press conference, stupid, stupid things. Yeah. Um, so at one point, somebody asked a question about this. They, they asked something about the Saudi crown prince mm-hmm. because when it came out that he was there, you know, mm-hmm. people were interested. I mean, there was no right or left. People were interested in what was going on. Um, So somebody at one of these press conferences asked him about it. And you can see this FBI handler who leans in and he he whispers in Lombardo's ears, don't go there. Mm -hmm. And and Lombardo throughout all of the press conferences, he's over there like, you you tell me what your questions are and I'll tell you if I'm going to answer them. That yeah. was kind of his attitude, I felt like, in, in yeah, most of the interviews. We're not it was talking. Kind of like, he would just, he had no qualms about just going, we're not going to talk about that. We're not yeah, going to talk about that. We're not talking about Saudi Arabia yeah. and the fact that they own these four floors and the fact that the new crown prince that has has taken over Saudi Arabia and is actually friends with a guy named Trump and was uh, capitulation happened at during the tour right trump did a world tour you can see this yep, the greatest yep. show on earth so was this muhammad bin salman is was that is that the yes. new saudi yes yes okay that's the new saudi prince and so and he you, was very you, controversial because he he had a relationship with with the trump, trump family yeah and they did the famous sword dance uh right. when trump went and visited if you haven't seen the sword dance if you don't know what i'm talking about look up trump you can find it saudi arabia sword dance and capitulation tour or just go watch the greatest show on earth um because and i'll link it in in the description because trump is going around making the world either get on board with what they want to do, which is to get rid of the cabal and make everything right, or they don't get on board. And if you don't get on board, there's certain consequences and things that are going to follow. But the most important one is you're not going to be part of our new financial system, our new going forward system. And so when this capitulation happened, whereas the, the the old Saudi prince was the one that owns all this stuff in the Mandalay Bay was removed. The new Saudi prince came in and now he's the guy in charge. So the speculation is that he was in Vegas meeting with Trump or Trump's team, because there also is evidence that uh, Jared Kushner was there, which we know is very connected to Trump. Ivanka and Trump was there. Ivanka Trump was there. Dr- so, Donald Jr. was there. Don Jr. So there, Trump's camp was there. Do mm-hmm. we necessarily, we can't put Trump there, but that's not. We can't not- put him in those hotel rooms with the Saudi yeah. prince. But there, and, and there also is video surveillance of the Saudi prince, Ben Salman, uh, getting escorted out of a, a hotel during mm-hmm. all of this stuff going on. Um, and there are people so, that saw him in town wearing yes, not uh, the wearing Saudi regular Arabia crown uh, crown prince garb. So he was that was also clothes. part of part of this theory was the speculation that the reason that there were shootings happening all over the strip is because they were trying to find him. So and he was dressed in plain clothes. So they were they were just all over the place, like frantically trying to find this guy because they missed their target, basically. Yep. 
They were trying to assassinate him and a lot of people believe also Trump at the same time. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if we put all the pieces together, we step back and we look at the whole, because we've given a lot of information up until this point. And we're going to kind of wrap with this because I feel we just can put a bow on it and say, we did our best to tell you guys. Well, there's a little bit more. Oh, okay. So you back up and you look at the whole of everything and you say, why would they do something like this? What is the point? How did they get it all done? And I feel like we've done a really good job of laying out the the how and the why and all of that stuff. That That's the hardest part, though, is right. are they really trying to just assassinate somebody? Um, and did they create all this other havoc because of that? Mm-hmm. Or are they doing it to... Um, just do gun control like that was a major a major thing that but happened if it was for afterwards. gun control it, it they would it, the news cycle the 24-hour news cycle wouldn't have dropped the story to to nil within 10 mm-hmm. days right that's it would have they would have hammered and hammered and ha- the only thing that really happened was that what they they were trying to get rid of bump stocks like yeah, dumb. So remember that 4chan article where the guy's talking about the mass casualty event. Mm -hmm. So another post that he had put on there was that this mass casualty event will involve the Chertoff group, Chertoff group. So uh, if you guys remember Michael Chertoff, he was Bush's former secretary of Homeland Security. Um, Another thing that he is very well known for that we talked about on our 9-11 episodes is he was the co-sponsor of the Patriot Act. Hmm, Weird. So another fun fact is that the Chertoff Group is the largest producer of backscatter machines. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So obviously on October 3rd, the Wynn Las Vegas started putting these you know, metal detectors and stuff like that. So they're the ones that kind of rolled out these backscatter machines and all of that. Um, so the plan didn't work, but I'll tell you what, the Shirtoff group sure made a lot of money selling those backscatter machines for a while. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and another thing that really happened around that time was the YouTube censorship. <clears throat> so YouTube was kind of always a, you can put whatever you want on there. Like there's literally videos of people acting like cats. You, I mean, you can, you can do whatever you put, whatever you want on there. Who cares? There's all kinds of crazy th- conspiracy theorists, whatever. But uh, at this time, YouTube, it was the first time that they changed their algorithm to prevent any stories from trending that went against that official narrative of the shooting. It was the first time that they, that they actually changed their algorithm. And then as we move forward, then they, you know, obviously their algorithms were changed to eliminate really anything that has to do with Trump or, you know, any, anything like that. But they, so at that point they changed their algorithm and they, they began only trending news stories that came from large networks. So they, they wouldn't put any, they wouldn't allow any, smaller journalists or some of these investigative journalists that were really trying to figure out what the heck happened. They wouldn't allow any of those stories to be on YouTube anymore, which is unfortunate because it's one of those things where once they start taking things away, you don't ever get them back. So they start taking your freedoms away and you're, you're when in history, have you ever then gotten those freedoms back? 
without some kind of civil war. So another really strange thing that happened after the fact was the governor slash Las Vegas Police Department stole $33 million in GoFundMe. So they started a GoFundMe for victims, for whatever. And there was a small amount of money that was given to the victims. I mean, a very small amount of money. And the rest of it, $33 million of it, is just gone. They were never audited. The public was upset about it. There was there's public outcry, but it was oh, suppressed. Yeah. The money is still missing. And the original website, the original GoFundMe was shut down. So you can't find any information about what happened to this money. And eventually people stopped asking because they, they just flat out were not answering questions. Like they just would be like, I'm not going to answer that. It was, it was very strange. I think the Valerie um, took it. That could be. Maybe he went to Mexico too. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that, that they still will not release is the, the identity of the three women that were registered to the hotel room with Paddock because they really, for whatever reason, they don't, they do not want these women's names coming out. Every single FOIA form that has been put in has been denied asking in all manner of ways who those women were. And they, they did just deny, 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 deny them. So we have first names only. We have no identities, nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. They've done a lot of work. They've done a lot of work to cover yeah. this up. And you just have to be reminded of the timeline, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You have to think about when this happened. What right. happened? What was going on in the world? Well, 2016, Trump became president. right? And, and it's right hard after, to remember what life was like before 2016, before Trump. Because remember, Trump was... No, I'm not a... Folks, I'm not a huge Trump guy or tr Trump person. I don't, I, I don't not. super. <laughs> I hope you're not a Trump Otherwise, dude. I got some explaining to do. <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm not a huge Trump person. I'm just not. But it's, it, it's, you cannot deny that the world changed drastically mm -hmm. when he decided to run for president. I mean, it was, it, it sh changed the whole trajectory of our country as far as, the YouTube censorship, the censorship in general, whole world. really, it changed our yeah. whole world. Yeah. Like this one event changed the whole world. And a lot of people don't see it that way, but that's the reality. It, it right. changed the whole world because you got him coming in 2016, Hillary turns into a demon and starts spitting all kinds of nastiness. And she, they never thought she was going to lose. They never thought that right. she was going to lose. And then she loses because they, they cheated big time. She paid a lot of money to get that win and she didn't get it and so then right after that you've got this capitulation got this tour crazy stuff Trump happening. goes on and then you've got now you've got this mass shooting biggest shooting that's ever happened in in the nation happens and it just so happens to be in 2017 and there just so happens to be the new saudi prince there like, come on, guys, timeline. And then, so another matters. thing that was really weird was after, after the Saudi prince goes home, um, after the event, he goes home and he does like a big clean sweep of his people, basically. He starts taking out a bunch of people that were like higher ups in the Saudi government and, and firing them. Like he's, he, cause, and his whole thing was he was trying to fight corruption. Yep. So, which is, which is another just strange, strange thing in my opinion but 
but you be the deciding factor. You are yeah. the one. Use your own brain. Use your own observations. Watch this documentary that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, watch the Good Line Films um, documentary that we're talking about, The Greatest Show on Earth. All of those things are going to give you more and more knowledge, more of an opportunity mm-hmm. for you to make a decision on what you think is going on in the world. God designed you with a brain and a and a in the ability to reason, right? He didn't ask you to come into this world and be ruled by men. They God asked you to come into this world and be ruled by him. Allow him yeah. to to guide your footsteps. Allow him to tell you which way is up and which way is down and which way is left and which way is right. For too long we've been listening to men tell us what reality is. We need well, you guys to yeah. start using your own senses. God gave you senses to to interact with the world around you. And there's been this veil that has been uh, pulled over our eyes. It's called scales uh, in the Bible. Scales fell off of Paul's eyes and he was able to see things more clearly. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. This The, the veil drops and you can really begin to see this stuff. But you have to do that work on your own. Right, right. And and the thing for me is always, if the official narrative doesn't make any sense, which it doesn't, there's nothing about the official narrative that makes very much sense to me. Then why is all like, if you want to put people at ease, and you want people to, you know, kind of calm down about a situation, like we've got it handled, guys, mm-hmm. then just just tell the truth. Like, just tell yeah. tell us what really happened. Because that's the, the fastest way to, you know, quell rumors and to calm the people is to just tell them the truth. But they continually like, how many times do they have to lie to us about something before we start to go, these people are liars? Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Like how, how many times? Yeah. I don't know. And and there's enough times in this story that they lied about stuff, blatantly lied about stuff to make me question the entire thing. And I'm not saying that the Saudi prince was the target or that Trump was the target, but it makes more sense to me that, that that's the case. Yeah. And just for the simple fact that none of this was talked about at the time and and all of the information regarding any of this stuff has been scrubbed from the internet yeah i'm gonna go with sus super sus yeah extra sus well guys there you have it part three we did it we We got all the way through all of the ramblings that we wanted to go on Mm -hmm. we did all of the things and now as we said before it's up to you you decide what do you think happened we're going to get on with our uh, false flag series but before that after this episode comes out on sunday we've got another episode and it's all about clowns and for those of you that don't like clowns, literal clowns it might help you understand why you don't like clowns and for Mm -hmm. those of you that do like clowns it make might make you wonder why you are liking them anymore there's a lot of information that's <laughs> going to come out and you're going to be shocked and there's going to be some bible linkage and it's going to be great there the word nephilim might get thrown out so for those of you that are interested in those type of categories those type of things come back because we've got lots more episodes coming lots more weirdness to go we are that so fringy podcast my name is rick 
I'm Kristen. And we will be back for the next one. But until then, stay fringy, my friends. 